It's car con carne. Let's eat in the car. It's car con carne. And welcome back to The Working Week. It is Carcon Carne. I'm James Van Osdell. And Carcon Carne is sponsored today by Siren Records in McHenry, 3902 Main Street, Siren Records in McHenry. Uh, during the pandemic, Siren Records has been my go-to. I've, I've made the trip out to McHenry, dug through the, the, the sections and bought soundtracks and punk rock and all kinds of stuff. And of course, jazz and blues, all available at Siren Records in McHenry. My guests today when it comes to the blues oh man it it doesn't get much better than this uh he is the founder the owner the one of the blues most important evangelists alligator records blues it blues igrauer bruce (laughs) igrauer that's all they say in japan (laughs) stop it (laughs) and along with bruce igrauer the 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 boss of alligator records is hands down one of the most significant blues artists to emerge over the past 30 years uh, a woman whose Uncivil War album of last year is yet another masterclass on how the contemporary blues should sound. It's Shamika Copeland. We're here to celebrate. Hi. Hello. We're here to celebrate 50 years of Alligator Records. If that young boy from Appleton had never made the trip to Chicago, this would be a much different interview today. If that young <laughs> Bruce had never made that journey. Yeah. You know, I could I could have been retired. I could <laughs> I could have had a regular job. Uh, this coming weekend, we're recording this on March 8th. This coming weekend, it is Sweet Home Chicago, an online blues celebration. Performances from Billy Branch with the Sons of Blues. Also, Shamika Copeland, Grammy nominated vocalist. I can't speak today. I've had way too much caffeine. Little Ed Williams. He'll have his slide guitar. He'll have his fez. And Chicago blues guitarist and songwriter Taranzo Cannon. Bruce Siglauer will be the master of ceremonies as is appropriate. And it's worth noting, you know, when I book this podcast, I'm usually trying to match guests with available slots. I don't really think too much about where the dates fall. It is International Women's Day, and it is badass that one of the most awesome women in blues is here with us today. I just want to acknowledge <laughs> Thank the awesomeness you. that is Shaka Copeland. So Thank 50 you. years ago, Bruce, this, how Doug Taylor, this, this, I'm holding the cassette in my hands. This, <laughs> Not everyone has the cassette. That's. This, this was a later you special. This was a, several years after the record. For I want to say this was like late 80s when you put this out. Well, I'm not sure when we put out the cassettes, but there were no cassettes uh, commercially. There were no cassettes, period, in 1971 when I started. There were those big, flat, black vinyl things. And uh, that was what we put out that first Hound Dog Taylor record on, recorded in May of 1971, two nights in the studio, four hours a night, Direct to two track. We mixed it as we went. I couldn't afford multi-track recording. (laughs) And uh, it was a band that was filling small clubs on the south side of Chicago. They were, there was no north side scene at that point. uh, And they were just uh, one of the local bands that I fell in love with. That they were so much fun and they were so energetic. And boy, if you think blues is sad music, listen to Howard Dog Taylor. That's not sad at all. Oh, this will lift you up. And it, what amazes me is this really holds up. 1971 to today, this sounds fresh and exciting and real and raw. I, I still love this. I, I mean, most labels, when they start out, they hope to get on base. I mean, you knocked it out of the park. You set the bar impossibly high for yourself, Bruce. 
Well, you know, some people think that my career has gone entirely downhill since then. <laughs> no, I'm looking at Shamika Copeland. It has not gone downhill. No, it has not gone downhill. I have been extraordinarily fortunate to bring talent and find talent like Shamika. Uh, and sometimes the talent finds me. But Shamika, I haven't. I've known Shamika. I first saw her and she first knocked me on my butt when she was 17. And I saw her, there was a club called Chicago Blues in New York. And I got stranded in New York for a night. I went to a business meeting and uh, missed my plane getting back. So I called up a friend and said, hey, I'd like to hear some live blues. Who should I go see? And my friend said, oh, you got to see Shamika Copeland. And I walked into that little club. And what do you think they're worth? Shamika, 30 people in there? Uh, yeah, at the most. <laughs> and, and, at the most. <laughs> and she was playing with, you know, her, her father was a famous, wonderful blues musician, Johnny Clyde Copeland, who uh, I had the pleasure of the, and by, me, by that I mean the great pleasure of recording on the Grammy winning album Showdown with Albert Collins and Robert Cray, uh, you know, a, a Texas blues man with a voice as big as all outdoors. And I went to see Shamika. And if I, had closed my eyes, I never would have believed that that was a teenage girl in front of me because it was some of the most grown-up music and emotionally deep music. I still remember you did Ghetto Child, the song you do almost every night. And at that time, of course, you were. You know, th that was your life. You had lived that. It's a song her father wrote, a very, very bold song that says... I, I'm only a ghetto child in this so-called free land, which was quite a ballsy thing to say at the time he wrote it and performed it. And I just could not believe the maturity. And the, I mean, she, she grabbed me by the angst, you know, it was, she wrenched me and I thought, well, she's having a good time and, and she's, she's energetic and maybe I'm being fooled by my eyes. <laughs> so I so I went back and I came back to New York and I arranged uh, with her manager uh, and uh, her most prolific songwriter, John Ahn, to do a demo session to see whether it worked if if there wasn't an audience and if I couldn't see her because she was off in a in a booth in the studio. And it was just as good without a single audience member there. And I thought, wow, I have found the next great blues artist of her generation, the next up and coming blues artist, the blues artist who will female blues artist. And I should just say, you know, in one of recent review, they just said she's the best blues singer in the world. They didn't say the oh, best wow. female blues singer. And, <laughs> wow. And, and that was kind of my thought. How did I get this lucky? And, and it just, we've, we've done, uh, seven albums, seven albums, right? Seven albums, mm -hmm. and she just gets better and better. Shamika, what was? Wow, she, thank you. I'm blushing. Oh, under this oh, mask. Uh, we can't, we can't see me, because I'm, of the I'm, mask. I'm, I'm a truth teller. <laughs> I mean, you you were born into the blues, Shamika. But when were you first aware? Do you remember when you were first aware of Alligator Records? I guess I was first aware during the Showdown record, but even then I was just, you know, not even a decade old <laughs> when that record came out. But that's when I first started hearing about Alligator Records and, and Bruce Eglar. And I remember my dad coming home with the Grammy <laughs> from that record. Oh, yeah. I was, what a I was great on experience. My way. 
Yeah, I was on my way to school and he was driving by me in the van holding the Grammy out the window, you know, look, baby, you know. And uh, so that was when I first became aware. But then, of course, you know, life went on and, you know, I had absolutely no idea that, you know, less than 10 years later, I'd be on on Alligator Records, (laughs) you know. Well, let's talk about that. 1998. I mean, right after Bruce saw you in New York. You put out your first album and this was not long after your father had died. That's a lot to process for an 18 year old. You had a lot going on in your life. Do you remember what it was like going through what was going through your mind as a late teenager dealing with the first record release on the big blues label settling on personally? Yeah, it was a lot. Um, I think that it was a lot, but at the same time, I was very very well supported by family. Um, I had John, I had, I really felt like those guys were, were there to protect me and make sure that I was going to be okay. So I just went out on the road and sang the blues, you know, (laughs) just, just went out and did it. And I got to tell you, it's all been a blur because it's now 20 some odd years later. And it's like, uh, you know, I promised myself that I would be more present with, with the next 20 years of my life because the last 20 just went by so fast. So again, you know, this- I, I want to, I was recalling, I'm working on a 50th anniversary uh, double LP, triple CD collection. And I was recalling that right after that record came out, I mean, I think weeks after it came out, Shamika was in Chicago And I got her uh, booked on the Chicago Blues Festival, but not on the big stage. She was on the Crossroads stage and pretty early in the day. And people came, people who had never heard of her came from every other stage. Just the word got just spread across the, the, the festival grounds and people dropped everything and rushed over. And she sold more CDs than any other artist on the festival. And she was literally unheard of in Chicago when she did that performance. And I remember because Shamika, you, you would, at that point, you never took a drink and somebody handed you something to drink because you were thirsty and it was a beer. And I remember you took a little sip of beer and kind of made a face <laughs> and put it down. Now she has a glass of wine now and then. <laughs> Not now very often. every chance I get <laughs> now every, now whatever but it, I it was it was amazing uh you know I wasn't the only person who who just thought this is something very special and again sweet home Chicago the online blues celebration uh Shamika will be on that bill Bruce you are hosting it uh that's happening starting on Saturday night and that's going to be tremendous I mean the, the lineup you've got people chiming in with well wishes, birthday greetings, the likes of Mavis Staples and Charlie Musselwhite, Marsha Ball, Corky Siegel. This is going to be uh, fantastic. Staying on uh, Shamika's musical output for one moment, talking about her addressing and talking about her like she's not there. Shamika, talking about uh, <laughs> the way you, you address social issues, uncivil war. Let's be honest, the, the country's broken. Blues can heal everything. Uh, Give God the Blues is one of the standout tracks on the album. God ain't no Republican. He ain't no Democrat. He ain't even independent. God's above all that. Basically, this yeah. is your cut the crap. We're all we're all exactly. That's what I've been saying. I mean, this is a country entirely made up of. Immigrants, 
Um, and I don't know at one point, you know, uh, who decided to start to hate who first, <laughs> but it makes absolutely no sense to me. It makes no sense. Um, what makes to me America great is the fact that we're all different. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And um, and we're all Americans from somewhere else. You know, when you think about it, you know, they they sent uh the the british you know they would say they they're going to send us you're you're scum you're disgusting you're horrible we're going to send you off to the americas you know <laughs> and um and that's what they used to say but then look what look what we made of this country you know look at look at what happened and how it got built up and and i just wish we could just you know all the divisiveness and all that stuff would just stop and we could just be what we're supposed to be, Ken. I'm telling you, we'd be a force to be reckoned with if we <laughs> would just do what we're supposed to do. And if folks would stop listening or looking at their uh, news channel of choice <laughs> and decided and to know, hate everyone else. Use the term else. news loosely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. News channel of choice and then decides you know, to hate everybody else. I mean, we just need to stop it. I'm so sick of it. Staying on the album, uh, you cover under my thumb. Is the guitar sounds that Will Kimbrough makes the sexiest sounds alive, or is it just me? Especially in that song. <laughs> I think everything he does is sexy, so I don't think it's just you. No, I think it's, it's very, very sexy. <laughs> you know, we're learning more about you, James, because I, <laughs> I've listened. I really like his guitar sound, but I didn't really think of it as sexy. <laughs> on that on that particular song on the cover of Under My Thumb, it, it just it sounds slinky and sexy and super cool. Yeah, another yeah, song he's a on the super album, cool musician oh, and producer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Another song I want to talk about on the album is Dirty Saints. This is your love letter to Doctor John, and this is how I tie it all back to Alligator because I think one of the first Alligator records I became aware of as a kid was Gumbo. Ah. Which oh, I reissued Gumbo. Of course, it wasn't originally on Alligator. It was on mm -hmm. Warner, Warner Brothers. I got rights to reissue it only on vinyl back when, you know, when vinyl was the medium. This and, was in the uh, 80s when I discovered it. Right. And we, we did a little reissue series of, of records from other labels. And I was able to acquire the original mixed master tapes. Uh, and I had to go to New York. They brought them over from the Atlantic. I'm sorry, it was Atlantic, wasn't it? The Atlantic Vault. Uh, and we mastered it for vinyl. And then the messenger stayed right there and took the tapes back. But after that record came out, I got a letter from Jerry Wexler at Atlantic Records saying, that's what it was always supposed to sound like. They screwed it up in the original mastering. Now it sounds great. <laughs> that's awesome. And Dr. John, of course, helped me with the production of Professor Longhair's last record, uh, the only one on Alligator, Crawfish Fiesta. He came in and uh, played guitar, his original instrument, because uh, we didn't need a piano player because we had Professor Longhair. And uh, then, you know, we kind of got to be friends and he, he dubbed me, you know, he loved making nicknames for people. And he used to call me Mr. Illegal Hour. Yeah. <laughs> which I thought was a great nickname. And then he produced Chimika's third album. Right. Well, I, I, the first time I listened through on Civil War, I, I stumbled on Dirty Saint and I didn't know the background. I didn't know the lyrics. I started listening to it. I'm like, oh, there's a definite New Orleans vibe. And there's a Marie Laveau reference. Oh, this is this is for Dr. John. OK, <laughs> I completely get it now. 
Yeah, so, I loved him so much and uh, was devastated when he passed away. And so um, he was just he was just so fantastic to me. He was the coolest. I, one of the most irresponsible things I did in college, uh, I was going to college in Lawrence, Kansas, and he was playing a small bar in Kansas City. And I had a final the next day and I was completely unprepared for it. And my choice was dri- <laughs> drive to Kansas City to see Dr. John or study for the final. Long story short, I failed the final. <laughs> well, I think you had your priorities straight. I, yeah, my, arg- my argument at the time was 30 years from now, will I remember that I studied for a final or that I saw Dr. John in a small club? What's going to be more important in my life? Yeah, it was Dr. Mm-hmm. John. Mm-hmm. It, was, it, was, it was, you know, seeing Ico Ico in a small bar. Well, I think I can <laughs> tell the story now that after we did uh, Crawfish Fiesta, he was in Chicago for a gig and he wanted to cut some demos. And with the recording engineer I was working with at that time, we snuck into Curtis Mayfield studio where the studio that I was using to record in, uh, in for my Chicago records in the middle of the night and cut three or four songs with Dr. John, just as demos uh, with a bunch of members of Albert Collins band uh, and a bazooki player, you know, a, a Greek guy who played bazooki, the, the kind of, I don't know, oud-like instrument. I'm not sure whether I'm using the right term, but, you know, one the ones you see in uh, the Greek restaurants. And, uh, wow. yeah, you know, and and uh, and Curtis Mayfield never found out. <laughs> That's a cool story. <laughs> and hey, I'm not going to name the engineer. <laughs> Bruce, as, as blues labels go, I mean, Alligator really is the last man standing, isn't it? And not quite, but um, it, it's true that we have remained, I mean, it's been 50 years. Uh, my friends uh, who recently bought Delmark Records are, are releasing new albums on Delmark. Uh, Thomas Roof in Germany. Uh, there, there are some other labels. Joe Bonamassa's uh, label just released Joanna Connor's new record. Uh, but we have the biggest catalog and uh, the, uh, we're the most active label that's absolutely dedicated to this kind of music in the world. Mm-hmm. And as far as the future of blues go, well, we're looking at part of it right there with Shamika mm-hmm. Copeland. Uh, and I don't know. I'm getting old. What do you mean? Oh, oh, stop it. You're talking to the wrong people right now. Remember, the first artist I signed was 55 when I signed him. Oh, wow. So you've got a ways and to I'm go. Thinking, and I'm thinking about Kingfish, who's, you know, I could be his mama. So Right. King, Kingfish <laughs> is my youngest artist. He just turned 22. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. So the blues is alive and well. I mean, I think of Toronzo, uh, who will be part of this event, the, the live stream event, uh, Selwyn Birchwood. Where, where do you see the blues going, Bruce? Well, one of the things that I really like about what Shamika is doing is she's not sticking to the old blues rules. She's not sticking to the rules about all blues has to have the same structures or the same beats, or it's got to go ba-bump, 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 or it's got to start woke up this morning and I got drunk. Uh, you know, none of those things. She's singing blue songs about today. She's singing from the point of view of uh, a contemporary um, young person. Let's call you a young person. You're younger than I am. And she's singing uh, about social issues. And now blues traditionally has been more about issues of personal relationships. But the thing that's been true of blues and is true of what Shamika is doing now is it's all very direct, honest. It's not hidden in, in metaphors. It, it speaks direct, straight from the shoulder and straight, straight from the soul uh, to the listener. Uh, you know, blues is not uh, 
uh, music of metaphors and similes. Blues is music that tells it like it is. And, and blues also has always been, was always, easy music to dance to. And if blues is going to continue, it's got to absorb the way people dance now, not the way people danced 10 and 20 and 30 years ago, not the way I used to try to dance when I failed to dance. Uh, and uh, it's, it's got to speak to contemporary audiences. It's all about that angst, about reaching into you and squeezing, reaching that deep spot and squeezing it out. Makes you, blues should make you feel better, but sometimes by making you feel worse and before it makes you feel better. Um, and, and so I love having visionary artists. I love having artists who aren't trying to do what's been done before. You're never going to make, um, do a Muddy Waters song the way Muddy did it and sound better. You're only going to sound worse. If you want to rethink it, if you want to reimagine the song, sure. Great. But don't try to do what's already been done because when Muddy Waters came to Chicago, he had heard Sun House and Robert Johnson but he didn't come here to sound like them. He came here to create music that was influenced by them. And when B.B. King started out, he was very influenced by T-Bone Walker, but he didn't try to sound like T-Bone Walker. Uh, and, and the secret is to learn the tradition, absorb the tradition, and then make something of your own. And Shamika is such a perfect example of well, thank you so much. And, you know, I adored Coco Taylor, but like the best compliment she ever she ever gave me was that uh, um, she loved me because I wasn't trying to be like her <laughs> because I knew I couldn't. You know what I mean? I was I, I was I knew I couldn't. And so just try to be your own original self, the best version of you you could possibly be. Carve your own path. Mm hmm. Bruce, you mentioned you're working on the 50th anniversary comp. I'm holding the 45th anniversary mm -hmm. comp here. Uh, how close are you to, to putting that one out? Um, I think, well, we, we're putting, it's hard to get vinyl manufactured these days. The, all the vinyl plants are backed up because there's this vinyl, I guess I'd say, craze going on. So we're trying, we have the vinyl uh, master and packaging at the plant. And we're trying to schedule the CD so it comes out about the same time. I'm hoping for June. Great. Um, and uh, if, it, if the vinyl takes a lot longer, I may put out the CD first and just put out the vinyl when I can. But I know people have fallen in love with vinyl again. Now, I, I love CDs because they were portable and hard to destroy. But vinyl is so much fun to hold and touch and read. You know, it's got that that visceral physical feeling that you really own something i agree and you know the 180 gram that's hard to destroy or harder than records used to be yeah but it's hard to play in your car too fair but i i'm one of those people i i collected vinyl like crazy as a kid and i've come back to it and it is it is kind of a crazed reaction I, i'm one of those guys there's my copy of cold snap behind me i love having the records to hold and play Oh, I have walls of vinyl, uh, but I'm not so much a collector of new vinyl because I like the portability of CDs. And now I actually use streaming services as well, even though, uh, as Shamika knows, they pay us far too little. Yes. <laughs> All right. So we get to see Shamika, we get to see you play on Saturday, which uh, what a cathartic thing that must be for you after this past year. Yeah, it was a lot of fun to to be on stage with 
real musicians. Um, and we had a lot of fun. It was really, really a lot of fun. It was so great to have, be in the room with everybody together. You know, blues, blues world is like a community because this is, this isn't like the, like the hit rock and roll world. You know, blues is performed in a lot of places with no dressing rooms. So the <laughs> artists are out there amongst the audience and the artists are always out there with each other. Uh, you know, one of the things I love about Chicago is people do all kinds of sitting in. You know, you, if, if an artist doesn't have a gig, they'll go see somebody else and come up and play a song. So even though Shamika wasn't able to perform with her own band, Billy Branch's band, which is a very fine, fine group, uh, you know, rehearsed her songs and, uh, and along with little Ed songs and, and uh, Toronto songs, but just hanging out backstage and being this extended family of the blues. And you can feel it in the performances. Everybody's so excited to be playing music again. I can't wait. So that is on Saturday. Uh, you can watch it from that point forward. Sweet Home Chicago, an online blues celebration. And I want to say thank you to the people at Governor State University, because they're the ones who conceived of this. Originally, it was going to be a live concert. Uh, we started talking about this a year ago, January. Uh, and then when the pandemic hit, rather than just saying, well, we're going to shelve this, they decided let's do it as a video concert. So uh, they you know, brought in a crew, they, you know, they put together the, the whole show uh, and, uh, and paid everybody, which was pretty nice because it's been very hard for musicians financially. Uh, you know, every, all mus- almost all musicians are self-employed, so they're part of the gig economy. And, uh, you know, as you know, for, for those people, collecting unemployment and just surviving has been very tough. Um, and so, so everybody was happy to get paid and the respect of getting paid, of course. Uh, so I, I really want to bow to the, to, to Lana and, and Jane and the people at Governor's State uh, for making this happen. And thank you for saying that. I, I should have mentioned that earlier. The show, the, the live stream show is on their YouTube channel. Right. And it was filmed in their, in their beautiful, if empty, uh, performance center, uh, which is it's celebrating its 25th anniversary. And I want to go back there with an audience. And I know that Shamika feels the same. I it's can't just, wait to go back. I can't wait to do it again. We should do it all over again when we're able. <laughs> yeah, so we can come see you in person and, and, and make it make the room really loud for you. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. I'm concerned, you know, everybody's worried about COVID, but when this pandemic is over. I think everyone's going to have to be concerned with getting mono because there's going to be lots of hugging and kissing going on. <laughs> Trading one public health concern for another. <laughs> All right, Shamika Copeland, Bruce, thank you so much for doing this. We'll look forward to seeing you on the uh, YouTube stream on Saturday night. Right. Make sure you tell folks who, you know where to find it. And it is a ticketed event. And it's also going to be available on demand for the following month. Perfect. 